Hi, and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We usually produce a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, but for the month of October, to celebrate Halloween, we're bringing you a five-part series featuring in-depth reviews and analysis of the entire Halloween franchise horror movie podcast style. So, for episodes 27 through 31, you'll get a new podcast released every Friday in October, ending on Friday, October 31st, Halloween Day. And this show that you're listening to now is episode 29, our third installment in our five-part series. And tonight we'll be covering Halloween H2O, 20 years later, from 1998, and Halloween Resurrection from 2002. And I'm your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shock Becker, from just outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Wolfman Josh. How's it going, Jay? Hey, buddy. Welcome. Thank you for being here. We're still awaiting our special guest who should be here anytime. So we're crossing our fingers, and we're looking forward to him. He is worth the wait. Now, typically, Horror Movie Podcast is a spoiler-free podcast, but in order to review the Halloween franchise as in-depth as we hope to this month, we will be covering spoilers for the entire Halloween franchise, and in this episode, that means especially for Halloween H2O, 20 years later, and Halloween Resurrection. So without any further delay, though, let's jump into our feature review of Halloween H2O, 20 years later. It's 1998 in a remote California town at a secluded private school. We could have a Halloween party, just the four of us. We could have a roaming orgy. <laughs> the way this man thinks. No booze, no drugs, no kidding. One teacher is living in fear. I'm not who you think I am. I changed my name when I went into hiding. My brother killed my sister. <laughs> How'd he do that? With a really big kitchen knife. Halloween H2O, 20 years later, was released on August 5th, 1998. And since the original Halloween was released back in 1978, this film came out exactly 20 years later, hence the title. Now, H2O was directed by Steve Miner, whom we'll talk about shortly. And here's the premise. Presumably... Picking up 20 years after the events depicted in Halloween and Halloween 2, H2O shows us that Laurie Strode has faked her car accident death and has been living in hiding in California where she now has a 17-year-old son played by Josh Hartnett. But when Michael Myers discovers that Laurie Strode is still alive, he travels to California to try to finish what he started, which is killing his sister. And this results in a one-on-one battle between The Shape and Laurie Strode, which leads to the beheading of Michael Myers. Okay, guys, now before we get going on this, I just want to bring back your memories here. Wolfman Josh has talked a lot to me about how he loves this film. This is um, one of his favorites, spoiler alert for Josh. (laughs) But I want to tell you, he is a man of his word because when we did the best horror movies of the 80s and 90s episode at Horror Palace for the year 1998, Wolfman Josh rated Halloween H2O, his number one film of that year. His number two was Ringu, and his number three was The Faculty. And interestingly, 
our other co-host, Dr. Walking Dead, he was also teamed up with Josh for that year. And his number one was Ringu. His number two was Sphere. And his number three was Blade. You guys like that? What a poser. (laughs) (laughs) But Josh, you kept it real on that. So I was impressed. You know, well, I've heard you talk about this film a lot. And so I I looked back at that and I'm like, yep, he really does love it. So that's good. Now I got two little dumb pet peeves that people are going to hate on me about, but you know how annoying I can be. And so here's more, here's more evidence of it. I move, I would assert or suggest that we change two things. And I was hoping our guest could be here because he has some, um, hang on. Oh, I just got a message from our guy. He says, hey, Jay, I just got in my vehicle at the prison. It will be at least an hour before I get home. I'll hold out for the franchise overview. I have training that day so I can be on from the start. Okay. Yeah. So our special guest is so hardcore. He was just released from prison. That's right. (laughs) Just got out. And he was still going to jump on with us, but I, I guess he's, uh, he's he's probably got to get ready tomorrow. I'm sure he's got to he's got to meet with his. Uh, uh, never mind. Well, going to say yeah, parole officer. I mean, there are conjugal visits, and then there are conjugal visits. Exactly. So, and I, mean, I don't even know how you were able to to land this uh, this special guest. Just so everyone know, we might as well slide out of the bag. Uh, Jay was has been in touch with Charles Manson. <laughs> um, he was going to join us to discuss these two movies. He's actually a big fan of the of the uh, Halloween franchise. That guy's a goof. We wouldn't let him on horror movie podcast. Yeah, that's true. Freaking <laughs> weirdo, huh? Huh, Doc? <laughs> yeah, he's a weirdo. Well, like, yes. I don't. I don't. He might have some interesting insights. Maybe he understood number six. <laughs> <laughs> Should have had him on for the sacrament episode. Oh, man. And our guest said, by the way, uh, because I'm getting messages from him on Skype, and he said, I hate that I missed the Halloween 6 conversation. Watched it this morning. Uh, So he hates that he watched it and didn't get to talk about it. Make sure you get his ratings for all all three movies. Yeah, I mean, because he is... And he is hardcore. I mean, mean, he's one of the, the group that love all these movies. I mean, you know, he, he he likes each and every, well, to varying degrees, but I think um, he would come in high on pretty much all of them. Oh, wow. Okay. He sent me his rating. So this guest is Haddonfield Hatchet, which yep. I know a lot of people know. And he said that number six, the one that we just reviewed in our previous episode, he said, it's a, a film that grows on me with every watch. He gives it a total of 7.5 out of 10. I knew he was going to come in high on that. Wow. And two thumbs up. So uh, (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I I, I knew he was going to come in in higher, uh, high on that one. See, Um, you guys feel bad now, don't you? See, I was in the 5.5 rental range. Yeah, I still, I mean, I still called it a rental. I still told people that, you know, if, if you already own it, um, or if, you know, if you, <laughs> if it's already in your collection, you might as well pop it in. I mean, yeah. come on. I gave it, I gave it that. I mean, you know, I'll tell you what, if I get the collection, I'll definitely be watching the 666 version. So. That I would be interested to see. I, I got to say, I would watch this, you know, this one is my, is the, the number six is, well, I don't know if it's my least favorite of the series, but if I look at all the other series, like Friday the 13th, I hate number five, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> the, the next generation, I can't stand that movie. Yeah, Those are movies I would not want to watch ever again in my life, but number six, I would watch again to see that version. 
to see, you know, what they might throw back into that or what how it would be different. So I would like to see that myself. All right. Well, um, so I'm still reading. He's given me his other ratings for the other two films we're covering. So I will give those ratings when we reveal ours. And I'm looking forward to that. Okay. So my two annoying things. And I was hoping that Haddonfield Hatchet could be here because he has a lot more sway than I do. But here's the thing. This film, we call it H2O, right? Like the chemical makeup of water. But it's really just H20. It's not an O because it's for 20 years later. There's no significance in calling it H2O. So all I want to say is... Wait, I, there is significance. It's that it's 20 years later. Yeah, but right. O, there's no O in the numeral 20. You said it should be H20. Yeah, so let's... I mean, people call it H2O like that's some clever thing. Like this is... Like there's a water analogy. Like if they did the abyss H2O, that would be funny. That would be yeah, good. But I, I never in a million years put a water analogy with this movie. I just looked at it as the 20 years later, to be honest with you. And so even, you saying, oh, even saying, oh, I, that <laughs> didn't really sway me. So you don't <laughs> think of figure out. You don't think of water when you hear H2O? Oh, sure, right? In any other context, yes. But in Halloween H2O? No, I'm thinking of the, the 20 years later. I'm not thinking of of Michael Myers <laughs> getting a glass of water. I know. I'm going to get beaten up when I'm next time. So when this, when this movie was announced, did you think it was going to be like a, on a submarine or something? Well, yeah, <laughs> I wondered about that because yeah. Are you kidding me? Really? Well, I mean, I, I thought the H2O was going to be significant. I mean, I understood that it was 20 years later, but an O and a zero are not the same thing. So there's letter O and there's Z. And of course, if it was said on the submarine, they couldn't come up with anything better than H2O. Well, I could. I could come up with something better. Halloween <laughs> underwater. Yeah. Well, they might have gone. They might have gone in that uh, in that direction before <laughs> they would have thrown H2O, the the chemical compound. Or or hey Doc, what about this Halloween under there? Halloween under there. I think I like H2O better. You're supposed to say underwear. <laughs> And then, oh, uh, and I would oh, say oh, I made oh. you say underwear. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's getting. No, late. I, I remember when my kids were younger. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's getting late. I'll, I'll probably cut that out. There's a safe to avoid embarrassment. Anyways, you, I tried to set it up. Okay, so that was the one thing that I was going to propose, but I know people call it H two all the time. So whatever. And the other thing is, and Doctor Walking Dead, not to diss on him too much, he does this. I would propose that we stop calling this killer Mike Myers because Mike Myers is the love guru. He's Shrek. This is Michael Myers. That bugs me. Nobody calls him Mike Myers, do they? In the first installment of this Halloween thing, you know, when episode, what was it, 27, when we reviewed Mm -hmm. 1978 Halloween, uh, Dr. Walking Dead called him Mike Myers several times. Well, maybe he was referring to the love guru. Maybe he was. That's why I think it's problematic. He might maybe because that is truly scary. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the love guru is. uh, Yeah, that is pretty frightening. I agree. Now, did he? Now that you're talking about that, did they? I I I did not get to rewatch H two O for this. I'm. It's still. I've seen it fairly recently, though. Do they refer to him as Mike Myers in the movie? 
No, no, but okay. So I'm just wondering where, why that is something against this movie. Then you it, it's not. Uh, just trying to see if you can start this review off with two completely pointless points. <laughs> uh, I just, I just wanted to propose a couple things that I thought we could improve about the way we communicate about you know the Halloween franchise. Me? You know what bothers me the way airports still have that luggage rotate. You know that that luggage uh, carousel. Yeah, I don't like that either. <laughs> yeah, but that, that is not Halloween related whatsoever. <laughs> Oh, it has to be Halloween related. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I thought these were just unrelated non sequiturs. No. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> no. H2O and Michael Myers. Come on. Anyways. Oh, man. So, Josh, Wolfman Josh, tell us why you love this movie so much. Oh, man. I love so much about this movie. I Number one, I love that it reconnects to the first film. And the second film, you know, I've already mentioned I'm not as big a fan of the second film as most super fans, but um, I love that you can kind of erase all that mess that happened in the middle, you know, being a fan of those movies to some extent, but you, that you can erase that and just kind of have this nice little contained three story arc makes me really happy. I, I love the way Kevin Williamson approached that. Now I know a lot of people are upset about that and I've heard Daniel Harris talk about how she was upset that Jamie Lee Curtis has a son instead of a daughter and blah, 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 blah. But that's neither here nor there, <laughs> in my opinion. Right. Um, you know, we don't know where Jamie Lee Curtis has been. And so <laughs> it's not surprising that she could have met someone and had a, another child and had this other life. And anyway, I, I just like that. I like, I like this closure. I like that she gets closure. I like um, that she is actually a character in this movie, as much as, a, again, a fan as, of, as I am of the first two films, um, and the first one in particular. She doesn't have anything to do as an actress until this movie, and she rocks in this movie. I mean, she yeah. has really become one of our great actresses, especially in her age group over the years, and she's able to really show what she can do in this movie, which I'm really I was really excited about. I also, <clears throat> I you know... I don't know. There, there are different reports about the mask in this movie, but I actually like it. Um, apparently, there were like 30 different masks during the course of the film. <laughs> and they couldn't decide on which one they liked or whatever. But for me, I don't know. Maybe it's just my inattention to detail, but I, I love the way the mask looks in this movie. I love the way Michael Myers looks in this movie. He's a perfect walker. He's a perfect killing machine. He does all the things I want him to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, to me, it just revitalizes everything I love about the franchise. And I like, for the most part, the new actors they bring into, it. I think Josh Hartnett, I think usually when you inject a young character like him into a franchise, for me, it often doesn't work. And I think he handles it perfectly. And which is really impressive. It's his first film. Um, that he was able to do that so well. And Michelle Williams, I wasn't a huge fan of, and some of the other kids, I wasn't a huge fan of, but they do. The movie still works very well. Uh -huh. And I love the setting of the boarding school. As well. I was a big fan of the brief scene with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm -hmm. You know, at the beginning there. Yeah, that's amazing. That and it's awesome yep. that they uh, reuse the nurse. Love that too. From the first yep. film, I, yep. I, I I love um not what's what's Ellen Arkin's son's name? Uh, Adam. 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 Adam Arkin. Adam Arkin. Yes. <laughs> I'm mixing up Alan Alda as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love him in this movie. He's great in it. Um, yes. And Janet Lee appearance in this Jenny. movie that's right that's a brilliant 
in the book. And, of course, and LL Cool J. Let's not forget him. He's, yeah, and he <laughs> actually does a fine job. He does. He's not a bad – I mean, what was the – he did – I liked him in Deep Blue Sea. I think he does a – I think he's a fairly good actor for these type of movies. I think he does mm-hmm. a good job in these. We'll get to Buster Rhymes a little later, and I think <laughs> right. LL Cool yeah, J is my preferred rapper in, in the Halloween <laughs> franchise. Right, right. <laughs> And and Jan and I'm sure everybody knows this. I think we mentioned him before. Janet Lee, of course, is uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, and yep. she was also in Psycho, which um, has some inspiration here on Halloween. Yep. So. And was also in the name Marion, which was reused. Mm-hmm. That's right. And was also in the movie The Fog with her daughter. Yeah, uh, John Carpenter's The Fog in 1980 as well. Yes, yeah, it, so it's just a it's just a confluence of geekiness, um, right? for the Halloween fans. And uh, I, I don't know. I I'm so happy with the way this movie was approached and the way it turned out uh, for the most part, I, you know, I'm, I don't know. I thought it was great. Well, right. for me, the first thing they did right was they brought in Steve Miner, director, Steve Miner. And um, I know he's had some misses. Like I didn't like his day of the dead remake from 2008. That's uh-huh. that was brutal. That's pretty bad. But Friday the 13th part two, Friday the 13th, part three. Tremendous. Those are are excellent, yep. Yes, and he also directed House and Lake Placid. But I think he was bringing back his Friday the 13th chops in this. And one thing that you really notice about this film is that when, I mean, the soundtrack is so aggressive. I mean, it is a blatant, aggressive, in-your-face, full-throttle horror soundtrack. So um, next time... You know, listeners, next time you revisit this, pay attention to that because they're really giving you a lot of cues. There's a lot of emotional guidance with this film, with the soundtrack. So that's one thing. Yeah, uh, I, I, I apologize that I'm just now bringing this up, but the yeah. soundtrack for Halloween 6 is the worst of the oh, entire yeah. series. <laughs> you don't I mean, know it what is that music is. Terrible. Yeah. And I and I love that they returned to the original and 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 added to it in a way that was really powerful for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. With you. You know, another thing that I thought was brilliant and I think this is probably everybody's favorite aspect of this movie is the way, I mean, cuz this was released in 1998 and just like a year earlier, we got Alien 4 or Alien Resurrection, which which I've said many times, I do love that movie. But wow. it I I do love that movie and I'll <laughs> I'll fight you. I'll fight anybody on that movie. Anyway, no um are you gonna diss on a movie that I love so bad? If it's Alien Resurrection, I may. <laughs> if you're bringing that into an H2O conversation. Anyway, um the only reason I bring that up for now is that uh you know when when we bring back a significant character in that film, I won't say who or how, but it is terrible the way that's done. But the way that this character is brought back, you know, Laurie Strode, is absolute brilliance. It works 100%. I mean, it's a hook, line, and sinker thing. And you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. It's absolutely brilliant. Did you guys agree that that's brilliant the way that she's incorporated? Because in the opening credits, they show like the newspaper clippings of like she died in a car accident. And, you know, up to this point, you're all upset in Halloween 4 when you hear that she's just been like dismissed and swept under the rug. And right. now she's brought back in this way and it's glorious. Yeah. yeah. With a vengeance. Yeah. Yep. And I agree. You know, the, um, it's, it's shocking to me when I went back 
you know, because I, you know, I've seen the movie a million times, but when I went back to actually like research it, and just when I saw that the year was 1998, it kind of took me off guard. I was thinking, wasn't this after 2000? Because it feels so much more fresh than Part right. Six, and it's weird to think that these movies are only three years apart because it feels like a totally new era in filmmaking and particularly for this franchise. I mean, it feels like a fresh breath of air. Right. And this, and like, you know, we had talked in the, in the last episode about, you know, watching things as a series. Um, you know, like you could sit down and watch, you know, one, two, four, five, and, you know, sort of leave three out of it. And maybe you don't have to get the six, but I, I have yet to do it, but I would love to just sit down and watch one, two, and then H2O. Yeah. I've introduced several people to Michael Myers and it's always been watch one, two and H2O. Uh, and, yeah. and I've created several Halloween fans that way. So then you get around to appreciating four and five and yes. And I am fans of them. I, I like four and five. I do like yeah. four and five. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I like to sit down and watch those as well, but there's just something I, I want to do that one, two and H2O. I haven't done that yet, but I really would like to do that. You got to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. How did you guys feel about the fact that this was, um, for once, <laughs> set in uh, California instead of Haddonfield? It would make sense. I mean, she would certainly not be in Haddonfield anymore. All right. I, I actually oh. liked it. I mean, I liked the, the change of scenery, the change of yep. pace and everything. I thought that was kind of cool. And I love the, I love the setting of that school, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, I like that as well. Yeah. And um, speaking of soundtrack, which we mentioned already, opens with the Mr. Sandman song again, which is tremendous. And you've got a really nice moving camera shot there in the the opening scene of this. Uh Well, Um, again, you're tying that right back into part two, which is brilliant mm -hmm. on their part to just say, you know what? This is the movie that comes after that. (laughs) Right. Forget forget everything. They're blatantly saying it right there in the opening frame of the movie. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly. that's bold. Now, do you think, and this is, of course, speculation, do you just think that they're like, okay, we got to fix this thing? This franchise is I off the if, rails. Yes, if number six didn't happen, they might not have taken such a drastic measure as this. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was the combo of six and then the success of Scream. I mean, I think the Weinsteins right. have this huge hit with Scream, and they're like, what do you want to do now? You can have do anything you want, probably. They probably handed him the keys to the car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's obviously a huge fan of Halloween. And even I remember, I haven't seen this in years, but I remember on the behind the scenes for H2O, Jamie Lee Curtis saying, you know, Kevin um, referenced Halloween left, right, and center. Like, she was very aware of how big a role Halloween played in Scream. And, um, you know, and to be able to take a franchise that was dying – one that had just been purchased by the Weinsteins and have them take their biggest star at that moment and have him, you know, take it over and inject new life into it. It had to have been, um, you know, something that was something they really wanted to do and something they were really excited about and to be able to get Jamie Lee Curtis back and all of this stuff. I mean, it, it all, it was this confluence of things, being able to get her at that stage in her career too. It was just perfect timing all around. It was kind of like, you know, the perfect storm. The stars right. aligned. Now I see that Kevin Williamson, he was an executive producer, co-executive producer of this. Hmm. Now he he didn't write the screenplay though. At least it is, according to this, he didn't write the screenplay. Um, he was heavily involved with it. I know that. Yeah, I, I was surprised because I mean he's not listed in the IMDb credits. Let's put it that way. 
as writing the screenplay. It's Robert Zappia and Matt Greenberg are the credited so weird. Uh, writers of the screenplay, um, with Deborah Hill and John Carpenter getting a nod for the characters, obviously. It feels yeah. like his script. It does. It yeah. does. And I was surprised to see that because I thought that uh, – you You're know, blowing my mind right now. I would have, I thought for sure. And he's he listed this. as a co-executive producer. And he's I all see. over like the behind the scenes and stuff and talking yeah. about. But I, I, be- I believe you're right though, Wolfman. I think he, he just had a big influence. They, they probably had him contributing quite a bit. I mean, cause Scream was what? 96, right? So. Yeah. So this is a couple years later than that. Yeah. So he was in his heyday. They probably filmed this in like 97 or mm-hmm. early 98. Eight. And so I'm sure he had a lot of influence, like both literally influence and also actually talk to them influence. Like, And that, I, that could very well be the case. But I'm just I was very surprised myself. I'm looking. I said, wow, he's not listed as one of the writers. Hmm. That's weird. That's weird. Well, I do know that he was one of the driving forces of getting this film. made. Yes. And I think that and that's why he got the executive producer. He's you know, he's down there. So I think he was. And I don't think it was just no, your normal executive producer where he just sort of is, is you know, not – I think he was very – obviously from what you were saying from the behind the scenes, he was very involved in it. And I think you can definitely see his influence in it. Let's Okay. It says on – it does say on Wikipedia um, he was heavily involved in various areas of production and though not directly credited, he provided rewrites. Okay, that's what I figured. Mm, and I sense. guess it just comes down to now that you've got the unions involved and everything, the WGA, I guess it comes down to how much can you actually give somebody credit, you know, based on what they've done. Like I, I was reading today that Stephen King actually was very heavily involved with um, Cujo, but did not accept the writing credit on that. So mm. it could have just been maybe one of those situations. Yeah, nice. The movie was a huge hit. Um, you know, yeah. it was at the time it was the highest grossing in the franchise. It's since been beat out by Rob Zombie's film, but it was a major hit. Mm-hmm. Okay, try to help me articulate or identify this. There are some films, some horror films that just have this. Even though they're scary and they're effective and etc., they still have an air of funness to them. And this is one of those films. There's something, yes. there's a spirit about it. There's like a, 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 a vibrance to it. There's an excitement in the bones of this film. Well, I think you can kind of, part of it for me is the Jamie Lee Curtis character. What, and, and, how yes. she, and how she later on in the movie decides to sort of uh, become a badass. But, but, you know, for <laughs> of a better term. I mean, right. But even before we see her and get her in the film... Like like as we talked about with the opening scene there. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is yes great start to this movie. This really put him on my radar. I'd seen him, you know, and I had I wasn't a big watcher of Third Rock or from mm-hmm. the Sun, and 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 I had seen him in uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. But this is the thing that I was just like, this kid is awesome. Yes. I want to see yes. him in more things. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and he's pr- and he's it. and he's proven it, and he's proven it with yeah. with uh, the where his where his career is gone. Of of just how good he is. In fact, I got to work with him on a Sundance Lab project, um, like right around the like right before he did Brick and stuff. And um, yeah, I, I talked to him about this at length, uh, how excited I was about it, and he wasn't he wasn't as thrilled about it, but he said he had a lot of fun uh, shooting his scenes and and stuff. So, what okay, else did he say? Tell it. 
anything else that you can recall? Oh, it was, I mean, I was, we were talking about a lot of different stuff. I mean, he wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of his, I mean, I was, I was a huge fan of him in this movie, but right. You know, I, he would go on to be one of my favorite actors a few years later after brick and everything else. So nice. Oh yeah. And and just, I mean, from that point on, he's just been, I mean, you look at some of the movies he's done looper. Uh, He was in Lincoln, obviously, Um, you know, the dark Knight rises. He inception. Mysterious skin. Yeah. Right. He was excellent. These are just, these are, he's great in these movies. Kill shot. He was very, that's a very underrated movie with him and Mickey Rourke, mm-hmm. um, a crime thriller um, that uh, he plays this. You would think it'd be Mickey Rourke who played it. Mickey Rourke plays sort of a, a stable uh, Native American character. Um, Joseph Gordon Levitt is this off the wall, just crazy criminal in that movie. And he's really, really good. And the scenes that him and Mickey Rourke have together are excellent. Um, and you can, and it, it's a stop loss. Another great movie that he was in, you know, um, he, he really is an actor who has proven himself. And I remember watching him on celebrity jeopardy back when he was still in third rock from the sun. And I thought he was a bone moron <laughs> I mean, you know, because he, he, he missed like some of the most obvious questions <laughs> in, in that, in that, uh, but then again, most celebrities do. I mean, I remember seeing Eartha Kid on there. She might as well have been in a coma. Yeah. He but was, anyway. He was a very committed actor. I was really impressed with him. I remember, um, you know, we were just shooting these Sundance Lab projects, which I won't go too deeply into, but if people who <clears throat> don't know what those are, for, for film, it's a lab that the Sundance Institute does for first-time screenwriters where they bring in big Hollywood um, actors to act in their films and then even bigger Hollywood actors to kind of come on and mentor the directors and talk to them about what they're doing. So like when I was up there, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Patrick Fugit, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Philip Seymour Hoffman were up there. Nice. And then guys like Ed Harris and Morgan Freeman would come in and watch the scenes and give the director tips on how to talk to the actors and how to get the performances they wanted. And <clears throat> um, But I, I went up there to do art department um on one project and then I ended up staying to help out another one because I just was having so much fun and they needed a boom operator and it was the first time I'd ever done boom operating and so you it, if, as the thing I loved about it is that you were so close to the actors so you were felt like you're right in the middle of the performances you know you're kind of like <laughs> nice. even closer than the camera and so there'd be all these scenes between Patrick Fuja it was um they were doing it was the director of a film called Paradise Now I know that. Which film. is a it's a great movie. It's about um, mm-hmm. suicide bombers. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. But uh, so in this version of it, the, the three main actors were Patrick Fugit, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Sherry Appleby, and um, and then me standing in there with them, and that was just so <laughs> awesome to be that close to their performances. And <laughs> I remember Patrick Fugit or um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There was a really intense scene they had to perform. Um. And it's funny, the only other person I ever saw do something like this was Matthew Lillard um, on SLC Punk set. But, right, right. Um, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he would just, like, right before they'd call action, he'd just take off sprinting the opposite direction, and he would just get himself physically worked up to where he was completely out of breath and, and sweating, and he'd run up, like, right when they'd call action and just start the scene. And it was so wow. awesome to <laughs> wow. see really that cool. over and over and over again, you know, take that's really take. cool. And, yeah. And let me, and let me just throw in, I do not think he's uh, stupid now. I mean, I, I thought that after the celebrity jeopardy, he speaks French fluently. 
Um, some of his favorite movies are actually the um, uh, French New Wave films of like Godard and, and Truffaut and so forth. So I, I've seen interviews with him where he speaks French like like a native. You know, I mean, it's it's incredible. So um, I don't know what had happened to him as a kid. I guess you just don't get this type of schooling on the on the uh, sets of these movies and well, TV shows as you get uh, anywhere else. Jeopardy even Halloween H two O is Jimmy. You know, he's like, Jimmy getting a little crazy with the stick and his like voice is cracking and it's just <laughs> right, such yep. a great performance. It really is. A few it minutes really that he's is. on screen. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's very, very memorable. Yes. So there's a scene I want to talk to you guys about. It's another scene. It's early on. There's a scene at a rest area. You've got um, a mother and her little girl. She has to use the little girl's room. And um, you remember this, you know, they take her in and the mom takes her into the boys bathroom. And we get um, Michael Myers there as well. And there is something about the way that that scene plays out because the mother is separated from her daughter. And we, you know, we hear the, the, the rock slid out of the way and the door slams and stuff. And we know the danger. Now, the mother just has, you know, normal reaction where you're a little bit concerned, like, who is this and so forth. But we're just so scared that something that these two are going to get slaughtered in there. And um, I, I love the way they play that scene. And, and it ends with um, the little girl screaming over like a spider. Spider, spider. Yeah. And you, and you think that she's dusted, you know, when you first yeah. see this. And, um, and I love how Michael Myers just leaves him alone and just takes off. Yeah. I just think Larissa Miller in that scene, the actress, I th- thought she was really great in that as well. Yeah, I loved her in it. So, like, when you see that, when you see that scene, you're like, okay, we've got a, a serious film here on our hands because it was <laughs> so well done. I mean, that could be a short film and it works. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, then I have to go back to the Joseph Gordon Levin scene. But again, that scene, like, I was sucked in immediately into mm-hmm. the movie. Yes. Me too. Well, it's scary. It's legitimately scary. I mean, think yeah. about this, guys. How impressive is it to open a film like right in the right in the very beginning, opening shots? Basically, you're already scared because the the old lady nurse gets home and she can tell that there was an intruder. Someone had broken into her house, mm-hmm. and you're freaked out already. And then you know later when she goes in by herself, and you know it's not going to be okay. And um, that there's some genuine suspense, and that's one of my complaints about modern horror is like you know they fail to put suspense in horror films these days, and this still does it. But also, you know, just I love that then that leads into connecting us. I love that it's this character from the first film and mm-hmm. second film, and then that this pulls us in to the backstory and we get Dr. Loomis is brought in and we, you know, bridge those gaps. And so it's just so nice. It pays so much tribute. Whereas six, like totally, as we said, <laughs> betrayed the other films This movie pays such homage to those other films. And, yes. Uh, it's great. <laughs> yeah. It, the, the fact that it unfolds kind of organically there in the way that it laces those together and ties over. I love that you brought that up. That that's a great point, Josh, because it, it's so good at that. And I think the f- films that work the best in terms of story is the things that organically kind of grow out of themselves. And it's like, yeah, he found Laurie Strode's file, and I don't know why, you know, they would have 
I mean, I guess you got to have records of stuff somewhere, but it seems dangerous <laughs> to keep records of where she went. But that's how <laughs> Michael Myers got to her, you know? And that makes right. sense. You got to have A and B connect somehow, you know, and they do it. Yeah, I don't think she'd be too happy to know that those files were hanging around out there. Yeah. And just as a brief aside, um, you know, that actress, Nancy Stevens, that is actually um, Rosenthal's wife. I don't know if you guys knew that, but. Um, oh, Rick? In real, yeah, in real life, it's Rick Rosenthal's uh, wife. Oh, Interesting. Wow. Yeah, I did not. <clears throat> and he said he met her on the set of Halloween. He's like, even though I didn't work on it, I, I met her on the set of Halloween. <laughs> I didn't work on it. That's funny. Um, another really effective aspect of, of H two zero. I'm just kidding. Uh, I know I'm never gonna get that passed with the Halloween fans. So no, because it really just doesn't matter. But- <laughs> It matters to me. No, anyway, another thing this is effective on is the way that the Jamie Lee Curtis character, Laurie Strode, she keeps having these post-traumatic stress disorder visions where she thinks she's seeing Michael Myers. Now, this is brilliant in the script because we always think, or because we know he's coming, she doesn't know that for sure, but when we see it, it's like, could this be it? Is this the moment? Is this when... You know, she's going to discover that it's him. And, and I love that. It's it's very scary every time it happens. And then the, when they finally do put him face to face and it's actually him in the flesh, I love the way that scene is where they can be like nose to nose, but there's still like a protective barrier between them. Brilliant. Oh, you yeah. also mentioned, Jay, <clears throat> when we talked about part six, mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, um, he was just this brainless Frankenstein monster kind of character. Um, <clears throat> I love the connection to Frankenstein's monster in this movie that um, I would have said Kevin Williamson made, but um, when Jamie Lee Curtis is teaching the class and they're talking about mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Michelle Williams has that little monologue. It's so good. But yeah. I, love, I yeah. love the way they connect um, Laurie Strode's story to Dr. Frankenstein's. And I believe it's that moment because you can see that her character has this um, epiphany, you know, during that conversation. I believe that it's that moment that plays into her character motivation to, like, go back and take him on and and face the demon, so to speak. And, right. and yeah. uh, so I think that's a key scene. And that is, by the way, one of my favorite things in horror films when something they're talking about, it's usually in a college class, is like a metaphorical parallel to you know, a theme in the film. It's great. Yeah. Well done well. And here it's done well. Very well. Very much so. So I think we're just going to fawn all over this movie. Is that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, what did you guys think about this? This is something that I think I usually don't have much patience for this, but the way this film is constructed, um, I think it works. What about all of the fake out jump scares? I mean, you get jump scares that are, not only uh, fake, but they're just completely benign. What do you think of that? Because there's tons of that in this film. Well, <sighs> you know, it's normally I'm not a fan of when it's really cheap, mm-hmm. you know, and of course uh, we'll say it. I think we say it pretty much every episode now that the, the cat, right. the, the cat screeching as it's running, you know, in front of the, a character. <laughs> Um, which has been done in great movies and it's been done in bad movies. Um, that's always a cheap one. The, uh, 
the recent woman in black with God, the Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Um, was a very intense, you know, for me, spooky ghost story, but it had like these scenes with crows or, or these birds that would just all of a sudden jump out. And it did it twice. It's not like it just did it once. It did it twice. Those type of things. Yeah. They, they can, they can definitely, they can bother me. Other than that, it's not, you know, it's when it's really blatant. I think that it gets under my skin. Yeah, like I think some of the jump scares, like we've talked about before in Sinister, the jump scares there are, are um, motivated by the story. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think this is another, you know, like you were saying, those visions she's having of Michael um, are leading to a lot of these jump scares. And so I feel like they're, <clears throat> because they're character-based, because they're story-based, they work a lot better. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I agree too. So, yeah, that's very effective. And I think that just... Um, the majority of horror films that try that just don't um, implement it correctly. And I think this is an example of a film that does it right. Right. Now, um, the, the fact that she has been, you know, story-wise, the fact that she has been without him for 20 years, and you can tell from the, the lines of dialogue in this movie that she hasn't really kept up on well, I mean, because this is essentially, we talked about this, this kind of becomes Halloween 3, in a right. sense. So, yes. like, all this other stuff, you in know. This new incar- in this new incarnation, yeah. Yeah. It, it's like the, this is all of a sudden a new Halloween 3. Like, we never did get the other Michael Myers Halloween 3, so this is that one. Yeah, yes. and as far as her character's concerned, I mean, the end of Halloween 2, when he burns and stuff, I mean, she thinks, you know, but the thing is, you can understand, and I this is something I appreciate about the franchise and about um, Michael Myers' character, you can understand why she would still be leery, especially on Halloween for the past 20 years, because she saw him in that first film, you know, get shot, what, six times, and uh, all right. these things happen to him, and he keeps getting up. So it's like, you could tell, you know, that he's... <laughs> Well, he could very potentially come back. And then when, when it's revealed that he comes back when her son is 17, which is the age she was, I think that's another nice touch. Yeah, absolutely. So, so they just fold. I mean, I, I think that I guess what I'm trying to say here, and yeah, I hate to be the film critic who just like, I like this scene, I like this, and I like this. But um, I, I do think that it's important to point out the way that this film dovetails and like interweaves and connects you know, one and two, I, I just think it's brilliant. After all these years, they did a great job. Yep, absolutely. And that's why I said I'd really like to sit down and see them as a series. Sit down and watch all three of them that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what about, there's a scene with a corkscrew that falls down in a garbage disposal. How did you feel about the way that scene plays out and the way it defies our expectations? It builds a lot of tension. I think it works. Yeah, and the camera is down inside there. Or, or, you know, okay. it, it's right. made to look like it's down inside. And right. um, and I always love that. And so you, he's got his hand down in there. He's got the switch and he's trying to reach for it. And you're like, okay, Michael Myers is going to flip on that switch. And he never does. And he just does a really, <laughs> like, he gets out of that unscathed. And, and then um, it's just a very simple kill, you know, just a straight up throat slit. Um, and, and another thing that I think is tremendous is there is um, that amazing shot when he's going up the dumb waiter in the, you know, 
up to the next floor and Michael Myers looks up in there after him. I think that's reminiscent of, what was it, H5, Halloween 5, when he's stabbing in that that duct at Jamie Lloyd. Do you remember that? Yes, yes, I do remember that scene. So I wondered if that was at least some kind of a little nod or or not. Maybe not at all, but I wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I don't think they were, they were trying to sort of forget that whole group. Mm-hmm. I can't say I can't say that it was for sure, but how do you, you guys? Know, it does feel that way. Yeah, I think a little bit. Now, how do you guys feel about this? So, the fact that the Michael Myers killings really don't get rolling until like an hour into this film, and it, it's kind of a short movie, so you you only actually get about twenty five minutes, which is the last twenty five minutes of intense Michael Myers stuff. Now, I know I'm clock watching again, but I mean, as far as the setup and stuff, how do you feel that this film holds up on its rewatch value since it takes basically a whole hour before it's rock and roll? I don't dislike what's going on in that hour, though. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if it was if it was just if it wasn't interesting to me, then it would be an issue. Yeah, I mean, with. Halloween six, you've got just, it's just full of convoluted plot. Whereas with H2O, it's filled with tension and character development. And it's also a character that if you've seen the first two movies, you care a lot about and you, for the first time, really get to know her as a person. So, I mean, for me, it's just awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would would agree. And usually I'll just say this too. I mean, that was one of my complaints, even though I love the burning um, there is that part in that film that's like, I don't know, it's like 40 minutes of nothing happening. It's just like a summer camp movie in between killing. There's like, mean, we've gotten into this before because <laughs> that, that didn't bother me either. It's not just, I know. I mean, there are some other things happening. It's not just, you know. Well, and, and see, that that kind of is um, a bummer about that film for me, even though I love the rest of the aspects of that. Now, see, in this one, though, I think that on rewatch value, it works because of what you guys have said, um, there's that, uh, what's the, there's that nature, there's that fun feeling to the film where you're kind mm-hmm. of excited. There's that, you know, it's hard to artic- articulate what it is, but also there are all of those um, scary suspense building moments that Josh was referring to. So I think that's yep. why it works in this regard. Whereas the burning, maybe not as much for me. Uh, I would also say <laughs> Michael Myers isn't that scary. There's some quote unquote cool kills in some of the last three movies. But he's not really that scary. Like he is super scary in this movie. His yep. intensity level is through the roof. Like yeah. those scenes like where um, Josh Hartnett's locked uh, or where she, was it Lori or Josh? Now I can't remember. <laughs> it's Josh. Um, where he's he's locked outside that door and there's the gate and Michael has the knife and he's like swiping in his face and all that stuff like that's yes. awesome yeah yes absolutely and the, and the, and the sound design there is really good too because it's like <laughs> I love that um, what about this you guys this, this tells me that this is a, a well thought um, film it's well executed there's a there's a visual cinematic joke there um, right before we get the reveal where um. The Jodie Lynn O'Keefe character, Sarah, I believe, yeah, it was her when she's all lit up and strung up in that closet or whatever. There is a sign beside that door that, you know, the camera kind of passes. It says, keep this door closed. 
And I think that's hilarious because it's like, man, that's a smart little um, cinematic joke because, you know, they open it and then you get this scare of this girl hanging there. I think that's tremendous. That's very good. (laughs) So, well done. Yeah, lots of other scary scenes. I I love the lowering down thing that Michael does in this movie. Again, just like showing his strength and the flipping the tables. All that stuff is so cool. Yeah. And just super intense. No, I love like the time when she is just she's standing outside and he's walking toward her and she just keeps like shaking her head like is that him is that him like that works so well mm-hmm. yes like it can't possibly be yeah exactly yeah because yeah, you would do that in real life yeah. yeah yep so let's talk about the ending of this film you like her taking him on like this yeah and you feel like you know they sold that pretty well and you could buy the battle between the two of them. I wish we'd seen more of her in part two that would have set this up better. But right. I feel like in this movie, we, it's totally justified and earned within the, within, you know, this like standalone film. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something she's been living with for how long now? And obviously like 20 said, years before, exactly. yeah, before she got there, before <laughs> he got 20 yeah. years today, <laughs> before yes. he had shown up on the scene, she was still having all these nightmares. Now she has a son of her own to protect. So I think it is believable. I think it definitely is believable that that a young uh, a, a young high school girl from the first two movies who was just sort of meek and just sort of trying to stay alive would all of a sudden have something to fight for 20 years later and decide enough is enough. <laughs> you know, yeah. that this is something that I have been – it has been with me for 20 years and now all of a sudden it's back. BS. Yeah. (laughs) And from a story point of view, it's like, well, now she has her son to worry about as well. So she's got to get this squared away and settled. Right. Right. Yeah. So that works. Now with the, the van scene at the end, like um, when he gets the way they have Michael Myers react when he gets pinned as the van's rolling down and then it pins Mm him. um, That looked so realistic to me it's kind of like makes me a little it doesn't make me sick in my stomach but there's something queasy about that it's like that probably destroyed his spinal column you know like it's oh, like yeah. horrifying well, and, i don't know he's been shot how many times <laughs> well yeah and um what i think since i want to ask you guys something about this and i want to be careful because i guess we'll save this for the next review but you know the way the next film opens do you think they had that in mind or or was this always straight up Michael Myers at the end as far as they were concerned in H2O? I think they kind of maybe made the second one. They sort of put it together to change it. In Resurrection. In Resurrection, yeah. Okay. Oh, totally. I, I yeah, mean, I don't think they had it we'll in mind. We'll get to that in a second. But I, right. Um, that really annoyed me. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. I just wanted to ask at this point in this review no, if you guys thought it's that perfect. They, this brings it's it so poetic. It it just is a, such a beautiful end to a story that's about this family that's been through so much. Right. I I I, I totally buy it one hundred percent. And I think it's supposed to be the ending. I think that's supposed to be all there is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and perhaps should have been all there is, right? <laughs> so they also dedicated this in memory of Donald Pleasance that I thought was a nice touch. And um, yes. I think we're ready to wrap up with our final ratings of this, unless you guys have anything else before we go into ratings. Anything else before final no. thoughts? 
No. I just love the Robert Zappia and Mike Greenberg dialogue. <laughs> I don't yeah. know who those guys are. Yeah. Um, I love the Kevin Williamson dialogue that I right. attribute to him. Um, I think it's awesome. I love, I just love how they brought the story back to those films and said, you know what, forget those other movies. Uh, you know, I don't think, I don't, I think it leaves room for them. Like the, the, she faked her death and all that stuff that, you know, plays into part four. And so mm-hmm. I feel like there are at least room for those other sequels without acknowledging them in any way, which I think is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, but- I, I feel like this was about as well executed as it could have been. Apparently John Carpenter, there are rumors that he was going to do it, but asked for too much money. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, maybe that would have been the only way to make it better. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was like, like we we're saying, I think it was, pretty darn good yeah as is yeah and it was not it was not at a time when carpenter was at his zenith either he's not the height of his powers necessarily right i mean i think this is around the ghost of mars time isn't it (laughs) yeah about 98 yeah yeah you don't like that that film too much no i I do right yeah that was 2001 is when that came out oh okay so that's even later that's even later 98 would have been what vampires i think which i actually do enjoy i don't enjoy john carpenter's vampires exactly yeah i I love josh hartnett and i love jamie lee curtis in it adam markin even ll cool j Um, yep michelle williams looks a little bit like miss piggy in this (laughs) yeah i agree which is a shame because she's actually very pretty she's had some plastic surgery and lost a lot of weight since this movie but yeah yeah. But she's a fine actress. She does a great job. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, you guys. So uh, for me, I'm just, I'm very pleased and I'm very happy that Steve Miner was at the helm here. And I, I do, I credit him and his horror chops, especially from the Friday 13th era. I mean, this isn't dated like the 80s. Like you said, right. it's very fresh and everything. But I think he, he brought some experience to the table that really paid off here and I think the boldness in this movie, I really get that from his Jason Voorhees days. I assume or I attribute it to him, at least in part. So for me, for me, this is um, this is strong. I mean, I know I've like basically praised this the entire time. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm also when I rate these Halloween films, I, I, I also keep them in context with one another. So. People are probably going to be like, why is your rating so low after all the praising you did? <laughs> but for me, this is a, a 7.5 out of 10. I say buy it for sure. This is a definite yep. own, and I'm very happy with H2O, as we call it. So what do you say, Dr. Shock? Uh, I'm going to come in uh, just a little bit. I'm going to go an 8. Uh, and yeah, this is a buy. This is one that you, you're definitely going to want in in your collection. Uh, regardless of what you felt about, or even if you didn't like the previous movies in the series, then this is one that will probably take it in a direction I think you will like. If you like the first two, um, and then you sort of lost interest when it got into the whole Jamie uh, storyline, yeah, this is this is the this is the movie for you. Mm-hmm. And I I would say eight, and it's a buy. Okay, Wolfman. Well. Um... Did my uh, best of the eighties and nineties have a rating <laughs> attached to it? Um, it? It did not, or at least I didn't have one noted. Okay, so. well then I'll rate. Okay. I'll rate it now. Um, 
I, I love this movie. I, I, you know, it's a fitting end to one of my favorite franchises. I yep. think it strengthens the franchise instead of just being another sequel. You know, I, I think 90s was not a great decade for horror, and I think this is, as slashers go, you know, I think Stream, Scream is probably the zenith, and this is, yep. for me, a close number two. Um, and both of those films pay such homage to... To the original Halloween, you know, it just makes me happy inside. So uh, I think it was a great movie. I give it a 9.5. Nice. I think it's a buy. And um, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I mean, I, well, I could talk about it for another hour. Josh Hartnett, actually, um, you know, with the release of the Blu-ray Complete Collection box set, mm-hmm. um, he was asked about this. And uh, he had, he had some cool little things to say in his interview, but mostly nice. about his experience on it. But mm-hmm. um, he just says, you know, we all had a great time making this movie, and you know, we just we were just young people happy to be making a movie at all, and you know, I thought that was awesome. So nice. I think I think their enthusiasm, especially his, um, really shines through in the movie. Yeah, and which yeah. is I think part of the reason why it's kind of fun. There is that excitement to it. Yeah, we have said. a lot of energy. Yep. And um, Haddonfield Hatchet, who was, um, had anticipated being on here with us tonight, again, he got called out to work, so um, super bummer, but he, he sent his ratings. He says, H2O is one of my favorites, and it gets better with every watch. Eight out of ten, so that's a buy for Haddonfield Hatchet. Nice. Post-production note. Here's that clip from JustJared.com that Wolfman was referring to in this previous review where Josh Hartnett comments on his experience with filming H2O. And then, for good measure, we follow it up with a little quote from Jamie Lee Curtis with a few of her promotional thoughts about H2O. We all had a fantastic time. We all knew each other. We had great rapport because we were young actors trying to make ends meet out in in Hollywood. And we were just... None of us had achieved any real level of success or fame that would give us an upturned nose toward any of the other ones. Uh, so we, so we, we just, we all ran around together for a couple of months. Young people just enjoying the fact that we were able to make a movie. I was 19 years old and it was my first film. So I was really nowhere in my career. I'd done one TV show and was just kind of getting started in the film auditioning world. And I had auditioned for Robert Rodriguez for this film called The Faculty. And right after that, uh, I got a call from the Weinstein brothers my agents got a call from the Weinstein Brothers saying, we really like him for the faculty, but there's this other script that we would like him to look at too. Would you go in and read with Jamie Lee Curtis for Halloween H show? So I came in, we, uh, we had a good chemistry read, and I shot basically those two films simultaneously. As far as I'm concerned, I, I want the movie to be very much like the first movie. I don't think anybody here is a big star. I don't think anybody's acting like one. The budget is a reasonable budget. It's not a big budget. If anything, this will be much more like the first movie than any of the subsequent movies. And at this point in episode 29 of Horror Movie Podcast, we'll move into our feature review of Halloween Resurrection from 2002. Tomorrow night, you will enter the childhood home of our most brutal mass murderer. The home has been rigged up with several cameras, but for the most part, the audience will see only what you see. Six friends. Are you sure they're not just putting us in some house with hidden cameras in the shower? This is gonna be fun. Have been offered fame and fortune. That's the American dream. 
All they need to do... All the windows will be boarded up and all the doors will be locked shut behind them. No one will be allowed to leave until the show is over. You stay the night. Let the danger-tainment begin! Now... You think this is the one that he used to, you know, do his thing? The webcast is live. One flash and you could light up a thousand computer screens. You are like this close to getting voted off the island. The stage is set. Has anybody else seen this? That worked perfect. Whoa! It's all fake. We've been set up. Only trying to give America a good show. But the house. Wait, what just happened? Is his. Halloween Resurrection was released on July 12th, 2002. It was directed by Rick Rosenthal. So three years after the events in H2O, we find Laurie Strode locked away in a mental institution after beheading not Michael Myers, but instead it was a paramedic that Michael had switched places with. So Laurie is now locked up. But she has kept herself ready for the monster's return, and when he does come for her, there's one final showdown that leads to Laurie's death in the first 15 minutes of the film. Now, the remaining 79 minutes of this movie involve an internet reality show called Dangertainment, which has six contestants locked inside the Myers house overnight with tons of cameras live streaming their evening. But Michael Myers is hidden inside, and in true slasher fashion, he starts picking off the contestants one by one while the internet audience watches in horror. And of course, Resurrection ends with Michael Myers not quite dead. So let's start off what where we were teasing, talking about earlier, and that is the way the previous film, H2O, ends, and then the way this begins, because we have got to talk about the first 15 minutes of this movie. So, Wolfman Josh, kick it off. All right. I mean, I'm of two minds about it, like with most of this franchise. I love it and hate it interchangeably because I think if you're going to do it, the opening of this movie is about as well done as it can be. I think they take what you talked about, that physicality of Michael Myers at the end of H2O, and they, you know, and they play off that and actually create totally different motivations for it that work within the context of it. I think I don't like it. I, I liked the ending of H2O and I would have been happy for it to end there. But I think if you're going to make this movie and you feel the need to connect it to the others, which I don't even know if that was necessary. I think you could have almost just started the story, you know, after that. But if you're going to do it, I think I like the way they did. It and I, I like that Lori still gets an ending I, you know, I, I do hate sequels that immediately undo everything the previous film yes. did. Yeah. Like, that's a major pet peeve of mine. But again, like, I do like that Lori, we'll just say, you know, I mean, we're going to spoil this, right? All right. Um, yeah. You know, spoilers Lori, on everything. So Lori killed the wrong guy. Apparently, you know, Michael switched places with another guy, which he has done in other movies. So mm-hmm. it's not completely unheard of, right? Mm. Within the franchise. Right. But, um, he switches places with this other guy. Uh, Lori accidentally chops the wrong guy's head off. And then she's living with this guilt of having killed the wrong person, sends her into a mental institution again. Right. But immediately we find out she realizes that's the case. She knows Michael's still coming for her. She's been hiding her pills. And she has a plan, 
and a trap basically ready for him when he comes. So it ends pretty quickly and it's still an ending for the film. You know, I can almost imagine you could tack this on to the end of um, H2O and it would still work as the closing out of her story. I still like the way it ended H2O better, but this works as an end to her story. I think this is filmed really well. I like the beginning of it. Um, I like that Rosenthal is the guy that did part two. And I like that that movie Mm -hmm. picks up right where Halloween leaves off. And this one picks Uh up right where H2O picks off. That's cool. That's a nice touch. Yeah. Um, And this, that's probably the best part of this movie is the beginning of the movie. Actually. Right. Um, I like all the themes that come afterward but not necessarily the execution. And we can talk about that more as we go, but, but, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm again, I'm mixed. I love it and I hate it. Yeah. I mean, as a fan of this, which I, I know we all are, but like as a fan of Laurie Strode and these characters, don't you think, I mean, this is pretty dark. I mean, she's locked up in this <laughs> asylum and then she, I mean, he ultimately does take her out and, I mean, I think a lot of people might view this as she's kind of victorious. I mean, this is such a um, a Sarah Connor Terminator 2, T2 ripoff, I mean, to me. I mean, I because it was 10 years pre- prior to this. Oh, right, approximately. right. I mean, that's the same kind of thing. Sarah Connor stays in training, stays in shape, keeps her mind strong, tries to break out because she knows she's got to fight this this monster that's coming in, that's coming to get her, and she's got to be ready for it. And it's like exactly parallel um and you know that that's fine i mean because that's kind of cool in t2 as well but but it's so dark that he ultimately does her in yeah but i think at least she is a person in this again like i think in eight you know halloween she's who she should be in that movie right halloween 2 i don't know if she is i think i think i want more from her in halloween 2 yes and I love where she goes in H2O, and I think this makes sense for her character's arc. You know, right. I, I don't th- I, again, I prefer the victorious Lori, but this one works um, as well. And, and honestly, that her death scene is beautiful. Like yes. the way it's shot and executed is perfect. I love the way that looks when she falls down through those trees. I mean, it looks, it's really well done. What about the kiss, though? It's her brother, you know? And, mm. you know, there's the. There's the hand touch moment, you know, from the end of H2O and like, you know, there's, I don't know. I feel, it feels right to me. Does it? Okay. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Okay. Doc, you talk about this scene. Cause I'm curious about what you think about the way they dispatched our lead character in the first 15 minutes of resurrection. Well, I, again, I think uh, like Josh was saying, um, it, it works for the character. You know, uh, it does, she had sort of played everything out in the previous film and, um, now it's almost like it's time to move on in a way is what they're trying to do. Okay. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. Um, I almost get the feeling, you just get the sort of the feeling that maybe Jamie Lee Curtis wanted this as well. Yeah. To wrap it up. Yeah. Like, okay, just, just get me done and then we'll sort of wrap it up like this. Um, so yeah, I it didn't uh, it didn't buy, and again I haven't seen it recently, but is this the one with with the guy there who um is big into serial killers? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, really and I like that part. I really like that part of it as well. When yeah. he sees when he sees Michael Myers and he just starts rattling off statistics and yeah. genius. 
Yeah, I like that. So I like that as well. Yes, and, and I love that it establishes really for the first time, and we've known that people know about Michael Myers, but you really get the sense for the first time how kind of a big deal he is. Right, like in the pantheon of serial killers, you know. Yeah, but this yep. guy would have all these statistics and be aware of him, and right, and it sets up what all, everything that's about to come in this movie as well. Yeah, and and you know, it made me wonder that since Michael Myers like handed him his knife, like it's like okay, is he um, what's going on here? Is he passing a torch? Is he? I mean, are we going to have like... He's framing him so that people don't know he's still alive. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that, actually? See, I didn't know because he does weird things. I mean, he does really bizarre stuff. So I'm like, okay, why did he do that? Could could he just perceive that this guy is a psycho and a killer, too? Well, I think Michael completed his mission. Yeah. And he just wants to go home now. This movie was originally titled Homecoming. Um, Halloween Homecoming. And... I think, you know, there is closure, right? Like, that's the end of the saga. That's all he was trying to do <laughs> was kill his sisters. <laughs> but, but, right? But, but she has succeeds. a son. He, he essentially succeeds, right? And so he just wants to go home and be left alone at this point. Wow. Is my, is my interpretation You're of it. You're blowing my mind right now, Wolfman. I've never thought of it that way. You, because Michael does, you know, he doesn't wow. go out of his way to kill people that don't get in his way. We know this, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So now he's accomplished his mission and he's headed back home. But he's but, always trying to take out posterity. So what about Josh Hartnett's character? The son? Well, that's a that's a good point, but he only he doesn't take out other posterity in this version, right? Because we've erased four, five, and six. Right. Mm-hmm. So in this continuity, if you erase those films, he was just after Lori. Wow. Right. You're knocking it out of the park right now, Wolfman. You're on fire. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm serious. You, so you've thought about Halloween Resurrection a lot. I didn't know people do that. So <laughs> I actually like this movie, and mm-hmm. I want to like it more than I do because I think no one's going to like this idea, by the way, except for possibly Jason. But I think it would be awesome to do a found footage movie with with Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers. Well, there was talk about that with with Jason Voorhees. The next Friday the 13th was supposed to be, I mean, that's what been the rumor that they're going to do a found footage, right? I think you could do it really well. And I think this movie is so far ahead of its time. I mean, on one hand, you know, it's just after the big reality TV explosion. It's like a year after Survivor comes out. It's, um, you know, a few years after Blair Witch. And so it's not ahead of its time in that way, but in terms of like where found footage has gone, the fact that this still hasn't been done was actually a pretty brilliant mm-hmm. um, idea for the film. The way it's executed, again, I'm, I don't love, but yeah, um, yeah, I've, I've thought about the movie a lot because because H two O was such a big movie for me. Um, well, I can I'm tell. This being the follow-up. Well, well, let's let's talk about this Dangertainment team in this reality show. I mean, Josh has actually worked with reality shows, and um, to me, there's something about this that's problematic, and I really have trouble putting my finger on it. It's like I think it's because it's almost like they've they've taken the, this film, this franchise, and this Michael Myers character, and they just put him in this box. And it's it's become like a haunted house movie. So he's trapped in the Myers house, and and so are the characters basically. And it's just this haunted house movie, and it's almost like um a carnival ride or something like that, rather than a Halloween movie. Mm, I can see that. I see what you're talking about. 
Um, and I do have some problems with where they go with the reality portion of it. I mean, I think the production ring's false. There's no way yeah. any production is going to actually be set up in the way this one is. With that many crew members, they're not going to bring in these kids and tell them there's a killer and then put them in the... I don't know. They're not going to play it out the way they do in real life. So that's a failure. But at the same time, again, this is only a year or two years after Survivor. So other than the real world, real world, there's not a lot of reality TV out there for them to draw on as, mm, as to what right. this would be um, at this right. era. Wow. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, the business end of it rings false to me. Um, the Buster Rhymes character and the Tyra Banks characters are ridiculous uh-huh. and over the top. Um, <laughs> and just the name of the, of the company, like, as you've already said, is ridiculous. But again, like, yeah, I mean, like these cameras, <laughs> these lipstick cameras that they use really weren't in wide use at that point. I mean, like, you know, now they've got GoPros and contours. Again, just feels really ahead of its time. I mean, we watched uh, As Above, So Below recently, and they're still using technology below what these guys are using in this movie. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. It's I don't know. I thought it was cool in that way. So why does... Okay, this is a weird question, but why does Busta Rhymes act like Tracy Morgan or vice versa? Why does Tracy Morgan conjure up Busta Rhymes performance in this film cuz like they uh, like they he honestly like his cadence and the way he like um I guess molds his mouth when he says words. He sounds exactly like Tracy Morgan. It's so funny to me. He does in a lot of ways. I agree with you. I was thinking the same thing. Um, when the last time I had seen this movie, <laughs> it's like he really does come across that way. You well, know, Morgan wasn't anybody at this point. Right? Well, that's right. true. Yeah, right. That's why I think maybe maybe Tracy Morgan was influenced by this Busta Rhymes performance. I don't know. Like, or the, maybe you just think they all sound the same. <laughs> no, Jason. I knew you would do that. I knew you would say that. Wrong. <laughs> False. <laughs> no. Hilarious, Josh. So you just set me up for it, bud. No, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners know that I'm not well, like that. Now, some of your best <laughs> friends are. What are we talking about again? Here? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> you guys are killing me, Smalls. So Brad Laurie is Michael Myers. I thought he did a great job as a follow-up as well. Mm-hmm. I liked, you know, I liked the H2O Michael Myers, whose name I'm not recalling at the moment, but I think Brad Laurie does a great job. He's better than most of the guys who have played Michael Myers. In my opinion, he's got the right body shape, but also, but still super strong. Yeah. And it's like the perfect combination for me. He's like sleek, but strong. Yeah. And I, and I like that. <laughs> right. I like that in a man. Yeah, I know. That's why it was striking me funny. That's funny. <laughs> um, well, real quick, back on the Busta Rhymes thing, because you totally made me lose my train of thought. Um, what, what do you, how do you guys feel about having characters who like pop off and make like one liner action movie jokes? to the killer, the slasher in this movie. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you resent that? Because I honestly, I resent that. It makes me mad. Yeah, I don't love the characters, but I I feel like, again, it's just the question of casting for me. I feel like if you had somebody who was a better actor that wasn't ad-libbing such ridiculous lines, um, it might be more believable. And I like the idea that you've got a couple of these characters that decide they're going to try to take him on. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't know who he is. They don't know. They don't assume that it's really Michael Myers. They don't exactly know what's going on in the situation. So it's, you know, it's a little more believable um, in the context 
of these characters okay. than in, say, Laurie Strode, who knows it's Michael right. Myers and knows what he's capable of. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's annoying. But I, but I think a better actor could have made it more believable. Okay. Well, I'll tell you my favorite aspect of this film. The coolest part to me, and this is like a Kyle Bishop type of thing that he might appreciate, is the fact that when we are watching this film... In reality, it's very meta because we're watching this film where actors are pretending to be killed by this killer who is pretending to be a killer. You know, these are just actors. And yet, and yet, what is actually happening on screen within the world of the film is you've got this internet audience at this party. They're watching these people in this house, um, you know, pretend because the Buster Rhymes guy's dressed up like Michael Myers. So... What's actually going on in the, is a microcosm of what we're doing as an audience. And I think that is... That, you just blew my mind. <laughs> it's just, it's a weird circular meta thing that I think yeah. is super cool. It's like yeah. a commentary on horror film. It's kind of like Scream in that way, though, like the, the hidden camera in Scream, right? Mm-hmm. I like, though, I, what, I, what I do like about it is that whole texting scene where she's communicating with them and they're letting her know, kind of like the Matrix of where he's at and when to go. Right. I feel like yeah. they could have done it better, but I still like the, that it's in there and how it's done. But I don't like the way that party looks. It just looks so cheesy and fake. Right. That's actually one of my big complaints. It reminds me of yeah. the two movies that come to mind are Kick-Ass and American Pie. And it's just like, they just never pull off that kind of setting well. In any, I've just never seen a movie where they're like, this is a live feed and everybody around town is watching it. It's just always the same four people and they're never like, I don't know, just always looks super awkward. And well, a part of it is like the blocking. I think like the staging yeah. of that scene, it's like, yes. yeah. When, pe when people are hanging out in a room, we all stand on the same side of the room and line up. So everybody can <laughs> see us on the opposite. Like, it's like, that's dumb. But yeah. uh, I'm with you on that. Yeah, that party does. It doesn't feel like a real party either. Like right when you walk right. into the party and they're dancing, it's like um, I don't think anybody no. would actually be doing that at the cool kid party. And that right. young actor Billy Kay. I'm sorry, but not for this movie. No, sorry, I <laughs> I agree. So um, <laughs> that's funny. Now, okay. So what about the the kills in this movie? How how did you guys feel about those? They weren't bad. I mean, they were okay, I guess. Um, not my favorite. No, they weren't my favorites either. Um, I, I like the level. I like the the double again. The double level of fakeness. Like they're ma they're having like the makeout scene in the basement, and then the wall crumbles, and then they you know like that stuff was all that was well played. You know, yeah. and then they and then they don't know that. I like that they never know when it's the killer. Like when she goes right. into the basement, then she finds the real place where Michael's hanging out and doesn't realize that's not a set as well. Or the best scene I think in the movie is when Michael Myers is following Buster Rhymes around. Mm -hmm. Like yes. I know you don't like how he pops off or whatever at the end of that, but right. the beginning of that is perfect. <laughs> it's yeah, super scary when he scolds him and yeah. and chews him out. Yeah, but just the shots of him fought like you just see Michael Myers walking through the house, and all of a sudden there's another Michael Myers, <laughs> and it's just perfect. It's just like what? That is awesome. So what about this though? I mean, I, I my favorite scene with the faking out, which by the way, I think they could have ridden that 
faking out stuff and the confusion of who's who. I think everything with this concept they could have done. They could have written out. Yeah, I mean, they could have really taken it to the point of ridiculousness, but it would have really jerked the audience around, which could have been fun. But when um, the blonde is at the top of the stairs and she gets beheaded and her head actually rolls down the steps toward her friends, like, and they see, oh, this is the real deal. I mean, mean, there's something that's very chilling because I always put myself in a movie and I'm like, if that happened in front of me. And you're assuming it's fake. I would. Well, I mean, but if you saw your friend's head. You could, I think you could distinguish if you saw an actual head. Oh, no, but I know. But I mean, up until that moment, right? you're assuming like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. quit goofing around. Right. And then the head rolls at you and you're like, oh, that's actually my friend's head. I would make one of those holes in the wall like you see cartoons do, you know, it's in the shape of your body, like on Leprechaun. <laughs> like, just, mm. I mean, I would be out of there so fast. So I, I think that was very effective. But um, by the I, way, that blonde now the biggest star in the movie, right? I mean, do you guys, mm-hmm. do you guys watch Battlestar Galactica? Yes, I was thinking the same thing. That's Starbuck. Love, she's Starbuck, and she was awesome as Starbuck in that. You know, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the new Battlestar Galactica series. And it's, it's just weird that to see her in this movie playing that yes. type of character when she's such like a, a badass character in her exactly. own right now, and like she's a, just a superstar. <laughs> like, Yes, she and, was- and rightly so. She was also in... um. Oculus recently. Hmm. Oh, that's right. I- interesting, interesting. That's and she's great. in Riddick as well. Yeah, right. which, saw that. which is good. I really like that. I think that another reason this film is weird to me, this is a very bizarre movie as well. So many of these movies in this franchise are bizarre um, because this isn't the usual Michael Myers objective. I mean, you said very well that he finished his mission in the first 15 minutes of the film and so it's almost like Michael Myers is dealing with a home invasion here. It reminds me of Texas Chainsaw when Leatherface has got to field all those people coming to his house. That's interesting. Right. But yep. but uh, but it is it's bothersome to me because it's like he's just hanging out and you know playing defense for once instead of offense. And you know I like him as an offensive character, I guess. Yeah, I do too. And I thought the same thing. I thought, wow, he's sort of. You know, I always thought that he wasn't quite, he was more sitting back and watching than than getting involved. I mean, Michael Myers, knowing he was there, he, he could have taken out so many people in such a short amount of time yeah. that he was just sort of watching. You know, he was just sort of hanging back. and It feels a little more Jason Voorhees. Yes. To some extent, actually. Yes. Yeah. And actually, it was pulled off better. The similar feel is pulled off better by Rob Zombie. Later as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's true. But you know, I I think my biggest my biggest complaint with this film is just how the the introduction the the first fifteen minutes and then the remainder of the film just feel like two different completely completely different films just kind of smashed together, tacked together. And um, I I don't think it works honestly. I mean that that bothers me. Did, how did you guys feel about that transition? Because it's like got it's got like two acts: a really little first act, and then the whole big second act. Right. I think if the second act was better, it wouldn't bother me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I like I like that they end it, and then I like that they say, you know what, we're following some other people now. Right? Yeah. Moving on. I, I, again, I almost feel like the Rob Zombie approach is the best tact to take. Now it's like now this is about Michael. He's going home. Like let's follow that story a little bit more. 
Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, is the way I feel about it at this point. Yeah. You know, after that end of that story, like, okay, Lori's gone. Now it's about Michael, but now they're trying, but instead they're trying to give us a new Lori <clears throat> and, you know, say, okay, what are we going to do for the next 20 seat, you know, tw- 20 episodes of this story. <laughs> and they're, they're trying to pawn off a new, a new character on us. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, with Sarah and I like her, I think she's good. I think she's a good, do you guys like her? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like her as the final girl. I think she's, I think she's a good actress and definitely. But I, you know, at the same time, I don't know. I, I, I just think, I think that they were right to reboot the franchise just as they were right to do H2O after right. six. I think they were right to start over after resurrection because it, it just feels like we don't have the energy <laughs> to like start over at this point, you know, to, right, exactly. to keep doing this. Let's just, let's just kick it off afresh. <laughs> Yeah, I actually wasn't um as uh what's the word? Exuberant enough or whatever when you asked about that. I, I really liked Sarah as a okay. pro- as a protagonist. Yeah. In fact I loved her. She's one of my favorites, in fact. Um right. well, good. So sorry, I was <laughs> I, I was processing something else you were saying when you asked that, but I I really do love her and um I wouldn't mind seeing her in the future, actually, but <laughs> I don't think that'll happen now that, you know, Mm-mm. the Rob Zombie movies have happened. If they go back to the well, it's going to be something totally different, I'm assuming. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought she she could have been a great next, you know, chapter to the story. But um, but I did also feel like it kind of run its course, If I, I think was the overriding feeling at the end of this. So in, in terms of story and everything, I mean... You know, Michael Myers is kind of quiet again. I mean, he never talks much, right? <laughs> right. I mean, no, I'm not no, saying man of very few words. Right. I'm not saying like that, none. Not, I'm not saying quiet as in talkative, but I mean, it, he is a lot more um, subdued and kind of stalkerish again in this movie. So there, there's that, which is, I, I don't know. It's like. Yeah, that works great in the very first Halloween, but after we've seen him do some of this crazy stuff, I, I don't know. I I I'd like to have more of him, and again, have him as the aggressor. But there's not a lot to this film when you look at it. I mean, like as far as like the story and stuff, this is very, very thin. I mean, yeah. I mean, like the concepts. This isn't a rich film, I don't think, and it's almost like they were out of gas as far as i'm concerned no i i, I don't disagree with you that's kind of what okay. i was that's kind of what i was saying but i think um it could have been good i think there, i think the concept was interesting enough to me um because i'm kind of because this franchise is kind of such a mess for me but i still happen to love it i do compartmentalize it a lot mm-hmm. into these different sections yeah and so it's easy for me to kind of say like all right let's take this alternative universe where we're now doing a reality show, you know, like we're doing this um, found footage version of the story. Like I, that still excites me. And I think um, it's not a terrible idea to do basically a ghost hunters show uh, with Michael Myers, you know? Right. But it's like its own standalone thing. I mean, other yeah. than the first yeah. 15 which minutes, which is weird, which is weird that they had to connect. Uh, that's what I was saying. You could almost do this without connecting it to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Cause it's almost like, um, you know, and Frankenstein meets the mummy. I mean, it's like Michael Myers in in this scenario. I mean, it's it's not even. 
I, I almost don't even view, other than the first 15 minutes, I don't even view this film as part of the the franchise, really. I mean, this is this is as far removed to me, almost, as Halloween 3. It's out I wouldn't go, there. I wouldn't go that far, but I would say it's Halloween 6. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, well, I think Halloween 6 ties in better, even though it's so bizarre and nuts. But, like... I, I don't know. I mean, this no is... No way. No way. This is still no. Laurie Stroh. This is still our core. Now, the second half of it is bizarre. That's what but I'm talking... Like, this feels like the Thorn stuff. Like, it just feels like a complete offshoot. Well... You know, I would say... I would I would compare the Thorn stuff to Halloween 3. It's not part of the Michael Myers universe, in my opinion, you know? Well, here's the or, thing. When you say it's still Laurie Strode, like, I, I, I looked at the clock. It was 15 minutes of, of Laurie Strode. So you got... 79 minutes, which is like a lot of horror movies are about 80 But then they go long. back with Michael, who is our main character. And this time he actually, they, you know, they show you in this movie, you know what, guys? It's not that hard. You can make this look like Michael Myers, right? Uh-huh. They get the mask right for the first time <laughs> in like 20 years. All right. Then they go back to the house, which is done on the stage on a set with CGI backdrop. And it's still, they were able to recreate the house for the first time in the last 20 years. Like, it looks great. <laughs> Is it that was it yeah. really that difficult? Like, give us this. This is what I want. I want to go. I want to see the Myers house. I want to see the mask. I want to feel like I'm with the characters I'm supposed to be with, not some weird second rate like mask shot in Utah with <laughs> you know with like a guy in black boots and chaps like running a <laughs> cult in the basement of an insane asylum. Like right, but why? Okay, then I I'm with you so far, but. Why don't you love it more then if this is because it sounds like you're really I love I like this. everything about it except for the execution of the concept because I actually even love the concept. Um, I just don't like the ex- I don't I think Buster Rhymes is I, I, all the problems I mentioned already, but and then just they didn't use the concept to its to its you know best uh, conclusion. Right. Like they could they could have done a lot more with it basically, and they meant there were a lot of missed opportunities. There were a lot of false uh, moments. And so that's unfortunate, but yeah. I think that's why we have to do Rob Zombie, you know, right? Kind of like, um, kind of like a reinvigoration, like a, a shot in the arm. Then it should have worked. Saying. It almost worked. I appreciate the effort, but it came up short. Yeah. Right. Well, I, you know, I've heard a lot of fans say that, as far as they're concerned, H two O is where it ended, and Resurrection doesn't exist to them. Which, I mean, that's I got that a little bit from what you guys were saying. I think at the end of our last review, you loved the way it ended, and yeah, and then I, yeah, again, I compartmentalize. So I'm happy to put just <laughs> just one in H two O as a set of films. I'm happy to go one two in H two O. I'm happy to go one two H two O in Resurrection. I'm happy to go one two four and five. <laughs> <laughs> just four and five this is almost this franchise and this is probably what we should be talking about in the franchise overview but this franchise is almost like a choose your own ending book where you can <laughs> go take it down different paths it's kind of crazy i uh, like it you know i like yeah. that idea and i like let's just create our own universe for the next film it doesn't have like just the way we reboot superhero movies or something you know like with between adam west and and uh Christian Bale, like what? What is the continuity there? Nothing. But let's just <laughs> do another Michael Myers movie and not worry about it. Yeah. Well, right. 
I, I think they need to worry about it more because then we won't get They have Vincent. worried about it and they've ruined it because trying to make it make sense because it doesn't make sense. It barely made sense in Halloween 2. They finally fixed it in H2O. And, but f- 6 makes no sense. <laughs> the origin true. of Michael Myers is a cluster. Right. <laughs> so how how did you feel about Rick Rosenthal again? Because honestly, um, Halloween 2 I love. And I think he's tremendous in that film, and his direction was great. And then you see him in this film, and it's like, who's this guy? I mean, I think that, I don't know, I think he dropped the ball on this. What do you guys think, Doc? Oh, yeah. I I mean, it's, well, it's a very different type of story, too. You know, I mean, in in the second one, he's got that big setting in the the hospital. This one, he's in this house um, dealing with... uh, Everybody having their own camera and all these different uh, setups and what. So it's a different sort of film. Um, but I mean, I'm sort of in line with, with Josh. It just doesn't, it doesn't work as well for me. Uh, and it might be because you have, I don't, and I don't know that it's him. I don't know that it's the director. I don't know that yeah. it could be, it, it could go to him. You know, I just don't know that from, from, from concept that this was something that, uh, could have been interesting. I mean, it, it, you know, I think for me, again, it smells a little bit like the Weinsteins, like (laughs) they are notorious for their terrible casting, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, I, I remember Kevin Smith talking about when he shot chasing Amy, he had Jason Lee and Ben Affleck and, uh, the girl's name, whose name I'm blanking on his girlfriend at the time, Joey Lauren Adams. Yeah. And Harvey Weinstein came to him, and he wanted him to cast David Schwimmer, John Stewart, and Drew Barrymore in those roles. Wow. wow. It's just, like, terrible. That would have been unbearably bad. I, I will say David Schwimmer is better than you think. If you, you He's see not better him. than Jason Lee, I'm sorry. Um, well, I mean. No way. Okay, Don't well. Don't even. On Movie Podcast <laughs> Weekly, we'll talk more about David Schwimmer roles, but go ahead. That's a different show. <laughs> anyway, I my point is is they like they cast TV actors, they they stunt cast people like Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks who shouldn't be in movies. And so I think um <laughs> right. I, I think if they had put some good actors, it's telling that the two the last good movie either of them was in was this, you know. Like <laughs> that like they're just not actors. Yeah, and so I think right. if you put some real actors in those roles, you spend a little bit more time on the screenplay. Then you have a decent movie. And I think Rick Rosenthal, the way he captured um, some of the spirit of Halloween 1978, and then brought his own thing to it, I think he tried to do the same thing. Or you think I think he captured some of the spirit of H2O, and then he tried to bring his own thing to it. And he wasn't right. as successful. But honestly, I didn't think he was quite as successful on Halloween two either. So, um, mm. right. That's interesting. That's a uh, you made some amazing points in this review. You you've actually yeah. Wolfman. I got to give it to you. You uh, you taught me stuff about Halloween Resurrection in this <laughs> in this review, and I, I just I guess I never thought of it that far because I just I just dismissed it as its own little. It's kind of gimmicky to me. It and is gimmicky, I, and, and I yeah. don't I don't hate it. I really actually kind of enjoy this film. I think it's fun, but it's like. Yeah, that's not really a Halloween movie. It's just got Michael Myers in it, but oh, dude, there's uh, a lot of movies that you wish aren't Halloween movies, but they, right. yes, they still are. We have to make sense of them. And I love talking about each of these movies individually. It's mm-hmm. the pro- 
I, where my problems always come in is when it's time to rate them and time to correlate them with the other material. And then I start freaking out and have a panic attack and give and ruin the podcast because it's hard to do that for me. Like they, the movies are so inconsistent film to film and so different. Yeah. It's just the challenge that this series and most horror franchises present. Well, one last thing before we go into ratings on this, um, it, you know, our review is shorter on this film than all the others, but I think there is just genuinely just less material here. It, the, the material is not as rich to me. I mean, no, I, I would agree. There's not much to it. Yeah, it's no, just very, very simple. So if people are disappointed, this is only like a 35 minute review or whatever. I'm, I'm sorry, but like, there's not a lot there. But I do want to ask you guys about the very ending there. H2O was pretty short, too. So yes, it's it like um, we Under we burned we burned ourselves out on talking too much about Halloween six. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What do you think of the very because you know up until this point before we get to Rob Zombie's films, this is how it all ends, and you know he's on that gurney or whatever in the back room for the coroner, and and then she looks at his mask. We finally get to see what his face looks like. And it is a little bit unsettling. It's kind of freaky. And then he opens one eye and it's like this jump scare and then it goes black. Um, did you guys like that? Love it? What? You There's think? like three or four alternate endings to this movie, which mm-hmm. is another problem with this movie. They didn't really know what they wanted to do with it. It wasn't, again, it wasn't nearly as big a mess as six, but you know, they, they were trying to cover all their bases, trying to protect their franchise. Right. Weinsteins are sticking their dirty fingers in there and <laughs> they're trying to make sure they've got their it girl for the next three movies if they want her, you know? So, right. Um, but, and then Michael's still alive. It has to happen. It has to end with Sarah and Michael still alive at the end of this mm-hmm. in order to set up the next film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thankfully somebody talked to Rob Zombie and better heads prevailed. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap this review up here of Halloween Resurrection. I'll go first. Uh, as much as I, it's weird. Like I was, I praised H2O lavishly, and then my rating wasn't as high as my praise. And this one, I criticized a lot, and it still has a decent rating because I think it's fun. This is a six out of ten. I call it a rental. And what do you say, Doctor Shock? Uh, this is a middle of the road one for me. I never really could get into the whole concepts, um, you know, with the reality show. And I think that, that Michael sort of, again, stays in the background to a degree. Um, Mm -hmm. so for me, this is, I'd probably say a five, I'd go just middle of the road and yep. If you have it, watch it. Um, (laughs) if not smoke them, if you got them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I, I, it's worth a rental. It's worth checking out. Okay. Doc says five out of 10 rental. Wolfman Josh, let's hear it. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Ooh. And I'm going to say it's a rental recommendation for anyone who liked H2O. Um, <clears throat> it's not even nearly as good, but it's fine. Um, and I think, you know, the... Um, Obviously, the uh, new Blu-ray series will include this film, but also there's a there's a DVD set that's really poor quality, I will say. But if you just want to see the movies, there's a DVD co- set called The Halloween Collection. It's got part six, part seven, and part eight. So it's got Curse of Michael Myers, H2O, and Halloween Resurrection. You can get it usually for like 5 to $8. 
So wow. um, if you want to see those movies and you're not, you don't care much as a collector, it's a pretty cheap way to see all three movies. Yep. Yes, it is. All right. Well, so Wolfman Josh gave it 7.5 out of 10, said Rennet and Haddonfield Hatchet, who unfortunately couldn't join us tonight, but he will be with us for sure, he says, on our franchise overview. He gives Halloween Resurrection a 5.5 out of 10. So that's a rental for him. And you can catch up with our friend Haddonfield Hatchet over at Land of the Creeps Horror Movie Podcast, which is, um, he's over there with Dr. Shock and Greg Amortis and um, it's a good crew. You have one more co-host over there that I I have not met. Jesse Robbins. Uh, yeah, she yeah. is. Um, she just recently uh, had an article in the latest uh, Fangoria, the one that um, cool. has the Phantom of the Paradise. She interviewed uh, Catherine Isabel. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yep. yep. And yeah. So and she's I think going to be a regular contributor for Fangoria uh, going forward as well. Well, we ought to see Doctor Shock if she like come over here and. As a guest on this show, yeah. she's, she's welcome because if she's Absolutely. A, a friend of all you guys at Land of the Creeps, which Wolfman Josh used to be on Land of the Creeps too. If she's a friend That's of right. you guys, she's a friend of mine. Oh, right. also one more thing. I need to change my rating. <laughs> okay, what is it? I'm going to go down to a seven. <laughs> really? Yeah. A seven? Okay, why is yeah. that? We want to hear it. I don't know. It, it 7.5 seemed a little high after I thought about it from sat on a comment. <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm ridiculously conflicted about this franchise. Right. You really so, are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it, Josh. Okay, well, thanks for taking it so seriously, and um, I hope everybody enjoyed this review of Halloween Resurrection. Okay, well, that just about wraps up episode 29 of Horror Movie Podcast. You can join us again next Friday, October 24th for part four of our five-part series when we'll be reviewing Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007 and Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 from 2009. I can tell you right now, it's going to be an epic show. Don't miss it. We want to thank Haddonfield Hatchet for preparing for this episode and for re-watching Halloween 6, even though he didn't get to join us. He was bummed that he got called out to work, but he will be here on Halloween Day for our franchise overview, and we'll also be reviewing the uh, documentary Halloween 25 Years of Terror on that episode. So it's going to be a good time, and we're going to have a good panel for reflecting on the franchise. So that's Halloween Day. And in the meantime, you can hear Haddonfield Hatchet over at Land of the Creeps Horror Podcast, and I'll have it linked in the show notes. And don't forget about our Fright Rags Horror t-shirt giveaway. You can enter to win one of two free horror shirts courtesy of Fright Rags. We've got a Dr. Tongue Day of the Dead shirt and a Splatter University shirt. And so you can check them out in the show notes for episode 29 here. And all you have to do to enter is just to email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com and let us know two things, where you're from, and your top five favorite Halloween movies in order. And we're going to use the Where You're From information for the back of our very first horror movie podcast t-shirt. So we want lots of submissions. And just for the record, we haven't had as many as you might think just yet. So there's still a really good chance of winning. So seriously, email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com and maybe you'll win a shirt. 
And everybody out there, do me a favor and check out Jay of the Dead's first guest appearance over on One Sick Puppy's Dead as Hell Horror Podcast with Channy Dreadful. I helped them review two 80s slasher flicks, The Prowler and Madman, and it's a great time. I think you'll enjoy that show a lot, so make sure you check it out. I'm going to link that podcast in the show notes here for episode 29, so be sure to check it out. Thank you. You can find all our episodes at HorrorMoviePodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. Wolfman Josh and I have another show about movies at MoviePodcastWeekly.com and you can follow Josh on Twitter at IcarusArts. You can find Dr. Shock's astounding movie blog at DVDInfatuation.com. Over there, he is reviewing a horror movie a day every day in October. So make sure you visit DVDInfatuation.com and follow him on Twitter at DVDInfatuation. And you can find Dr. Walking Dead, Kyle Bishop. He has a book called American Zombie Gothic. It's cool. I own it. I bought it. It's on Amazon.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Dr. Walking Dead, Dr. Walking Dead. And we want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our theme song. You can find Fred's music at FrederickIngram.com. And that's it for episode 29, so we thank you for listening, and join us again next Friday for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.